0: The advertising media capital of the world, New Milford, Connecticut. Wherever that is. This is Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson, a bi weekly ish podcast about all things automotive marketing. Now, here's your host, Matt Wilson. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson. Like the guy said, like Jim McCarthy from Jim McCarthy VOs said, a bi weekly ish podcast all about marketing in the automotive world. Although this Friday morning's live deal we got going on here is every Friday morning. So it's not bi weekly ish, it's just weekly ish. So thanks for tuning in, tuning in rather. Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson is brought to you by Stoke cold brew coffee. Da, 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 da. It's not really, but I'm hoping that someday uh, they'll pay me. Anyway, anyway, welcome to the, uh, first, uh, the third live episode, Friday Morning Live. I think they've been going pretty well so far, trying to be informative and educational for, for dealers, talking about what's going on in the automotive industry, what's trending, what's happening marketing-wise, just trying to inform Educate and maybe even, dare I say, entertain. But anyway, we won't go too far. But lots to talk about today on the show. We uh, have a couple of guests and uh, lots of good information for you uh, today on the episode. Co host today is the digital marketing manager at Nielsen Automotive, Colin Carasquillo. Good morning, Colin. How are you? Oh, geez.
1: Hey, happy Friday, TGIF! The sun is shining, and uh, I'm ready to go. So, thanks for having me on again.
0: You're always so positive. That's why I have you on, because you're such a positive force. You have such a good outlook. It's hey, uh, it's but, exhausting.
1: I mean, if, if you're not going to be positive about what you're doing, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. So right. I know there are, I know there are times where uh, you know. It, it gets tough and you got to power through, but yes, I've always been one to have a, a optimistic approach
0: to things. So all right, let's talk about some things that are going on in the automotive marketing world. Uh, all right, let's start here. Uh, I saw this uh, during the week and uh, thought it'd be a, a good discussion. I'm sure most people are familiar with effect TV, right? They're the company that owns Comcast, right? Comcast Xfinity X one, which you have Xfinity, right? I do not have Xfinity uh, in my market, but they yeah. launched a, um, well, they launched some, uh, basically an auto showroom, they call it in the Xfinity uh, universe. And you can tune in to these channels. Uh, they have three channels, eight, eight, nine, 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 one, or nine, eight, nine, or you can use your voice remote to access these channels. And it's like a virtual showroom that where you can shop or look at uh, vehicles And it's available to tier one uh, right now. In fact, there's a couple of brands that are um, involved. As an example, Alfa Romeo, Buick, Cadillac, Chevy, Jeep, Mini Cooper, Nissan, Ram, Volvo, some uh, OEMs that are playing in that space. Um, I guess my first question I want to get your opinion on is uh, you have Xfinity. So were you able to che- have you seen it? Have you gone to these channels and checked it out?
1: Yeah, listen, so, I mean, one of the things, this was intriguing to me, because as I was sitting home watching television, I actually have heard numerous commercials about the Virtual Auto Showroom oh, cro- so they're,
0: So they're cross-promoting it?
1: They are, yes, okay. they're cross-promoting it. I believe there's actually a substantial advertising budget behind, uh, you know, promotion of the Virtual Auto Showroom, which is great for, for tier one dealers, at least, because the, the message is getting out there. So I was able to access it, I accessed it last night, and I looked at uh, one of the brands that we represent at the Nielsen Automotive Group, which is Jeep. And it's a very cool experience. So you, you access the whole virtual auto showroom. And I'm sure, you know, it's just the tip of the iceberg. They are gonna probably develop this further, but you go on, they have uh, the entire Jeep lineup. You can select what vehicle you wanna look at. So I looked at the Jeep Grand Cherokee and then I looked at the Jeep Wrangler and it's about a minute and twelve second clip uh, so, this short form content that was this great uh, produced commercial or, or video that had you know a couple going on a road trip with the Jeep Grand Cherokee, it highlighted all the different features, the technology, the safety features, uh, capacity, and it just was a very, very informative and cool little experience to see that you know, Effect TV and the Tier 1 uh, OEMs that you had mentioned are partnering together on, on an initiative like that.
0: Is it more like a short form content, long form? Like, you know, how sometimes, you know, a, a brand will run a commercial in the Super Bowl and it's 30 seconds and costs like, you know, $70 billion. And then on YouTube, they'll have like the four minute version of it. Is it like long form commercials or is it like interactive?
1: So it's long form commercials. It's okay. just a video. There is no interactive uh, components to it. I love for Effect TV to develop something uh, a little more in depth, as I've stated, where it does become a little more engaging for the customer. Right now, I believe that this program actually, I wanna say launched in May, from my knowledge, and went uh, for dealers or for tier one through July of 2020. So just this past month, and now it's really a test to see what OEMs are gonna stay on the program, because it went from a free trial, if you will, to this this now pay to play program for tier one. Um, So like I said, I think Effect TV would be very happy to have input from tier one or the OEMs because they'll know, all right, this is what we need to do to get more engagement from not only other dealers, but from uh, customers in the long run.
0: I'm anxious to see, I I tried to do some research and wasn't able to find out. And maybe I can get a hold of someone at Effect TV. I do know a couple people to find out I mean, maybe we won't find out. It's none of our business, what the cost, what the cost is to the OEM. And if there's ever a programmatic down the line, maybe there's a programmatic solution to this that could be usable for either tier two or tier three, right? They know what you're watching. They know where you live. So maybe at some point there's an opportunity for, let's say tier two, we'll start there for, you know, the Northeast region, let's say to be able to showcase their vehicles, um, on this on these channels and make it a little bit more you know region specific like for instance just use all-wheel drive as an example you know you know as we know you know all-wheel drive and and uh you know four-wheel drive is all the rage up here there's parts of the country where everyone's buying rear-wheel drive trucks doesn't happen where i live um but you know maybe there's a tier two uh opportunity for this down the road it will be interesting to see how they handle it and like you said when it goes from being free to being uh, paid, which I believe we believe happened in July, um, what the kind of retention was OEM wise? Did they all stay on? Did some of them bail after the test? I'm wondering what, if we can get some answers to those questions. Uh, and then, like you said, could it be interactive? Like it would be great if you could have your remote and flip around and check out some, you know interior shots some exterior shots safety features instead of just watching because i'm wondering are people gonna go there like geez, let me go to this channel let me go to channel 889 and watch a minute and a half commercial about a about a mini cooper a mini They don't call them mini coopers anymore do they (laughs) yeah the cool kids are calling them Minis, so we'll call them mini like will like will people do that
1: (laughs) um i want to address a couple things that you had brought up i think the next logical step definitely is to uh look at it from not just the Tier 1 perspective, but then a Tier 2 and Tier 3 perspective, Tier 3 obviously being the dealership. So for us, uh, where I see that actually fitting in is the fact that Effect TV also offers a full suite of products. And they're not paying me to say this. So, you know, Mm -hmm. but the whole thing is that Effect TV, (laughs) uh, listen, I'll share some of the ad revenue. Yes, thank you. (laughs) But uh, Effect TV does have a full suite of products where, you know, they have their connected TV and their over-the-top advertising. They also then have partnered with another company, uh, TV Squared, which they do their instant impact studies with. And, And Instant Impact, for those of you listening, basically is a platform where they'll, Pixel, so this is Effect TV uh, in partnership with TV Squared. Pixel three pages on your website, so let's say hypothetically, uh, new vehicle inventory, used vehicle inventory, and then a a service page, or or whatever you'd wanna track. And for 30 minutes after one of your commercial airs, they will be able to track lift to your dealership website. Now, it's, it's not a perfect science, but when dealers are always in the hunt, for attribution for broadcast television, right? These kind of traditional media buys. Mm-hmm. This um, makes it one of my favorite words: more tradigital.
0: Well, where... Look at that. Let me hold on, let me write that down. <laughs> tradigital.
1: So, tradigital. That's right. And and that whole point being that now you're taking the traditional forms of advertising, which you know tried and true. I don't necessarily know if that's the case. Dealers like to put a lot of money in these traditional forms of advertising. Now you can sort of have a higher level of attribution. So maybe, just maybe, and then I want to address the other points of what you're talking about. If Effect TV knows that these people in these markets are utilizing the automotive virtual showroom that they've set up, that they are gathering more information about customers that they then can advertise to on behalf of these respective brands or build out their database on a a tier two and tier three level. So I think that's the natural progression. Yep. Um, And then to answer your other question about engagement and interaction, I think what we will see, you know, especially with the, the pandemic, you know, COVID-19 still ongoing, people are home, people are consuming more media than ever before. I think that this short-form content is very important, but I also think that if customers can go to a a spot where it's kind of an all-in-one or all-inclusive area where they can gather a lot of information, like you said, not only just watch these uh, minute and 12-second videos, but watch actual um, you know maybe 360-degree walkarounds, or yes, go back and forth between seeing interior exterior shots. Um, you know, check out some more of the features in greater depth, that not only will that help affect TV and their mission of gathering that that database of customers, right, that are truly engaging, but I think that that would help dealers in the long run uh, provide a, a better experience, or I should say not dealers, but provide the tier one and tier two initiatives uh, to give dealers a better, you know, advertising avenue in the future.
0: Have you, just going back to what you were saying about Effect TV, pixeling the website and being able to look at some attribution. When um, my last group, I used to... Um, take a look at it wasn't as detailed as like 30 minutes after your commercial ran, let's look for lift. But when we ran a radio schedule, you know, Wednesday through Sunday or the last two weeks of the month when we were on TV or if we were buying television, you know, specific programming, like, you know, New York Rangers hockey and, you know, the and March Madness, we would, I would set up, you know, we would look at our analytics for that time period and try and get an idea of, you know, like you said, any grasping at any way to measure is my you know, four thousand dollar New York Ranger sponsorship worth it, and it's very hard to make that determination, right? Because there's so many factors that go into web traffic anyway. You know, it's right. not like that's the only thing you're doing. If you have a conquest eblast going out the same day that your television schedule or radio schedule starts, you don't really know. Okay, well, this lift is for this reason. Maybe it's right. a combination of of these things. There's really no way to. Um, to measure it. And so the question becomes, is, you know, this pixel way a little because you're you're narrowing the window that you're trying to, you know, okay, 30 minutes from the commercial. So basically you're trying to say the person saw the commercial, they picked up a different device and they searched your business or landed on or Googled you or landed on your homepage somehow. So you're narrowing the window, which I guess technically would give you a better accuracy is if that spot time you know, counted for that traffic. But prior to this being available, did you monitor your Google analytics for when you were doing traditional campaigns to see if there was a lift? And how much credence did you put in those results?
1: Yeah, listen, I mean, this is this is one of those things where, you know, as I mentioned, it's not a perfect science, because even with the uh, pixel on the website, and being able to track this lift, um, you know, People, like you had mentioned, could be just Googling our business. They could be on our website right now, and our commercial is airing. Let's say, hypothetically, you and I are having this conversation on this podcast. Let's say one of my dealership commercials is airing, and then you know I just decide to go on the website, or you decide to go on our website, or there's millions of other people that go on our website, not millions, but there's a lot of other people that go on our website, um, and they would be considered part of that lift. So I do want to say that although it's one step closer to attribution, it is not a perfect science as I I previously mentioned. And to answer your question specifically, you know, we originally, yes, always look at Google analytics. I think that that's kind of an an unspoken rule in the auto world is you will uh, partner with different vendor partners and you will use their dashboards, but you will also use your Google analytics as a way to one check that both information that you're getting presented is accurate. Um, I I would say no. Originally, with commercial spots, we were not monitoring Lyft, uh, whether organically or paid or anything like that, from a commercial spot. I think that that's very challenging to do. For one, I never asked for our uh, air schedule, right, or run schedule. Right. So let's say, you know, I'm talking to a traditional uh, – agency or, you know, those com- the Comcast or cable companies that you'd work with, because there are more than just Comcast, um, you know, you would say to, I guess, your rep, hey, can I get the run schedule, but I'm not even sure if they could tell you when the spots would be airing. Now, right. that's just me being a digital marketing guy. I know you, you as an agency account director might have a little more knowledge, so I'm going to flip the script and ask you, but can you even know when your commercial spot is going to air? Exactly or, or no?
0: Uh, you can get, well, after the fact, you can get spot after times fact, like radio. Right? See, that's what I thought. Prior, so, prior to see. the fact, you can get you can get um, estimates. So like in 2012, when I was the marketing director of the group, we bought a Super Bowl spot uh, locally in Connecticut on a Connecticut station, right? And, you know, it was like, you know, whatever, like, you know, $1,100 or whatever it was and um, I think it was when the Super Bowl was on in NBC. It was through the local NBC affiliate. And um, we were buying like, oh, it's going to be uh, in the, either in the pregame show or in the beginning, in the first half of the first quarter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you had an idea when it would run, but especially with live sports, it's fluid based on what's going on. So you don't really know before, unless you're buying specific programming, like if you're buying sports, you're buying March Madness, you're buying a new sponsorship – but if you're just buying like a, 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 a you know, a, um, schedule,
1: a yeah. schedule
0: then right. you don't know if you're going to get, you know, uh, Seinfeld reruns at 1130 on TBS, or if you're going to be on, um, you know, HGTV, you know, the network makes, but you don't know, like I'm going to be on HGTV tomorrow at 1134 PM. Right. Um, right. so yeah, that's, that's the long answer to that question.
1: No, so I, I appreciate that. So with that said, now I, I can answer your question. which okay. would be, I would love to say that we, did do that? That we could have do you know done that in terms of uh, looking at traffic once a commercial or once we knew a commercial was going to air. I just think logistically, because you'd always say, oh, it's going to hypothetically be in this right. time frame in this time window. It's almost like you would need a person who, whose job is yeah. just to watch. Website traffic, what your commercials going to air. Yeah. So here's your schedule. Watch our traffic, see if there's a spike. Take some uh, trends over, you know, whether it's a quarterly period or you know whatever you want to look at. Obviously, you'd have to look at trends. You couldn't just say, hey, one day there was a spike. Um, but I think that's why this Effect TV just kind of coming full circle, if you will, and, and instant impact is a little uh, it, it's helpful for dealers because they could see, even though it's still yeah. after the fact, they could see if there was a a left. So
0: I'm interested to see if some of the other they may have already, but if some of the other cable providers um, follow in those footsteps in terms of the pixel, I know that especially in automotive, because we're in the, I mean, I'm sure this is, you know, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, but in automotive, we want answers. Did Mm -hmm. I, did did this, did what I do work? Did it help me sell more cars? And it's very easy. I've worked for people in the past where it's very easy to be like, that didn't work. I can't tell if it worked. So if I can't tell if it worked, then it wasn't worth the expense, right? So obviously all these vendors and providers, whether it's radio, television, traditional, whatever it is, are trying to close the gap as close to saying, yes, this helped you sell a car as they can. So I'm interested to see, as some of these vendors and media outlets out there, what they can do or how close they can close the gap. And then, as dealers, do people like you believe it?
1: Right. Well, I think, yes, uh, that's, that is the question is, you know, we're the ones that are ultimately going to buy into this, right? Or maybe not. And so I, I think there is an uphill battle for the cable companies. I do think, as we stated before, that the logical progression would be that these companies that usually have more traditional outlets, right, so we, we talked about cable, we're still talking about cable, now doing connected television, and over the top, so there is already been that evolution to the more digital space, and I mean, think about it, that's why Comcast Spotlight, which is now Effect TV, became Effect TV, they're trying to be more of a digital uh, right. platform. For dealers to utilize of course they want to salvage the dollars that would normally be spent on on those traditional media buys right broadcast television that's what they're doing mm-hmm. and they want to have dealers feel comfortable that they're uh staying with the times as well just like dealers would would like right so now it's becoming more digitally uh heavy and digitally focused so i think other companies that they're not already doing it and you know that's that's i don't have that knowledge about what other uh cable providers are doing but I think they would follow in the footsteps of Effect TV, uh, unless Effect TV was following in the footsteps of someone else, you right. know, and so then someone else is already doing it. Uh, in terms of buy-in, like I said, I I pride myself, my job here, let's say, as the digital marketing manager is, is much about uh, building awareness about our brands and ultimately uh, providing opportunities for sales in an efficient manner through digital advertising. But I've also been hired for this automotive group because I'm a skeptic. Okay. And my whole thing is, you know, I want to make sure that something works before we say, all right, let's jump, you know, dive head first, jump into this, this unknown uncharted territory. Now it's tough when you have to find that balance because of course you want to keep your dealership cutting edge. But in right. terms of the actual results and data, I liked effect TV and we do use it at, at our stores. I like it because it does provide a little more attribution and on a digital side, that's what you need to provide. But, you know, whether or not other dealers are going to buy in to be determined.
0: As the account director of my agency, you know, we're all automotive people at the agency, right? right? Um, From the president managing director all the way down um, to the digital team in New Orleans. But I have a unique perspective because I was in the dealer role. So I was the marketing director for the group and now I'm at the agency. So a lot of times the litmus test stuff passed me like, okay, well, you know, what do you, if if we were pitching you two years ago when you were on the other side of the table, what would you say to this? Or what would your thought process be, be, you know, for this? And I think it gives me a unique perspective to be like, listen, I don't think, and it, a lot of it's regional, like it, we're, you and I are both in the Northeast, so it, we're a skeptical part of the country, I think, in the first place. And there's a lot of like fast paced, like, let's get it done. Let's get it done. Now I want it done. You know, can you do this for me? Yeah. Okay. Well, it was due yesterday. Where is it? Um, so, I, you know, so I, I look at it from a, a very like urgent perspective. And when you look at something attribution wise, you, I try and play that skeptic. Like, okay, well, that's great. And I, from the agency standpoint, I get it and it makes sense. But, you know, saying it that way to a dealer, I don't think is going to make a dealer jump up and down. Like it makes us, you know, jump up and down. Um, so it's fun to kind of, to kind of play that role. But, you know, just talking about Effect TVs about the, the pixel. And I know we're kind of off topic here. We're talking about the channels, but now we're talking about the pixel is um, I'd be like, all right, all right. Yeah, I'll give it a try. Like, I wouldn't be like, let me sign up you know, all my stores, but I'd be like, all right, we're already doing TV through Comcast, at, you know, mm-hmm. at these three places, let's try it. Why not? It's not? Probably not an additional, not an additional cost. They're trying to prove the attribution. They're going to just do it. So um, I would try it. I'd be like, yeah, okay, let me try it. And then if it works or you believe that it's working or you buy into it, then you, I would look at, okay, let me see if I can roll it out, you know, here, here, here. I'm assuming that, you know, from your perspective too, you know, a lot of agencies or, or vendors or be like, Oh yeah, cool. Eight stores, seven stores, eight stores. Let's, let's, let's do it all. Let's do it everywhere. When it would be make more sense for you to be like, well, let me see if it works here before I have to get, you know, all my stores involved in the process. Um, and then we'll roll it out everywhere if it's, if it's providing the results and attribution that you think it is.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's exactly how it transpired at our dealer group. We have, uh, you know, numerous stores that are on with, Comcast Spotlight, well TV, and um, it started with our two biggest stores, which we wanted to do a test because they're actually in both uh, different markets. One is a very rural area, although both in New Jersey, one's a very rural area in Northern New Jersey. Uh, the other one is a little closer, it's still Northern New Jersey, but it's, uh, it's a much more densely populated area. We see a lot of different consumer behavior in, uh, in each market. So we decided to do just like you said, It was inclusive with what we were already buying we wanted to test it out we tested it at the two biggest stores in our dealer group and we saw some really interesting things Um, i know you and i had had some conversations offline about this but you know for other dealers listening out there sure try it you know i I would absolutely recommend trying it because it can give you more information about your buys good or bad but Also, then, just on a a side note, take advantage of uh, your creative liberty and do a lot of A B testing in terms of the actual messaging you're putting out there. So, just to explain that a little further, you know, and to provide some insight to dealers, we ran two spots uh, when we were doing this. One was our standard, you know, monthly spot, which had our, our promotion and we just did our lease offers, you know, a standard spot that a lot of dealers would do. The other one, although we still talked about our promotions, was focused on driving that online traffic. So I think we probably said one of our dealership websites, you know, 15 times throughout the spot. And we had signs that we had the dealership website on these signs. And, you know, originally you laugh because you say, well, is this really gonna do anything? Is this really gonna work? Is that repetition and, and, you know, frequency, is that true? But I will tell you from the initial results that it actually was true. And what we saw is that after those spots ran, there was a although minute, okay, right. I'm not gonna say it knocked it out of the park because once again, I'm you know, I'm not a snake oil salesman. I, I you know, I want to provide dealers with real information that the uh, spot where we mentioned the website numerous times actually did within the 30 minute window provide more lift when we were actually uh, you know tracking that through the instant impact solution. So there you go. <laughs> Thank
0: you. Hey everybody, this is uh, Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson Friday Mornings Live. Our Friday Morning Live show my co-host today is Colin Caris- Car- Colin, Man, with your name, Colin Carasquillo, Digital Marketing Manager at Nielsen Automotive Group. Let's take a commercial break cuz I have 34 cents to make here. It's very important for me to generate the 34 cents of revenue that I'm going to get from reading this commercial. So hang on, Colin, all right? We'll come back in just a second. Uh, If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Because making a podcast could be a little bit of work, but Anchor makes it easier. Let me explain. First off, it is free. Everyone likes free, right? And the technical aspect of making a podcast sometimes is the hardest part. And Anchor takes that problem Out of the equation. They have a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right on your phone or your computer. Right? Easy. And then they distribute it for you because that's the hard part too. You want to get it on Google and you want to get it on Apple and you want to get it on uh, Frackle. Is that even a thing? I don't know. You want to get it on, um, where else do you get podcasts? Stitcher. Anchor takes care of all that for you. Spotify, that's another big one. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You can download the app in the app store on your phone or go to anchor.fm to get started. See, Colin, my old radio career does come in helpful when it's time to read a commercial because wasn't that fantastic?
1: That was fantastic. Actually, you made me believe that (laughs) Frackle existed. I was going to see if I could, one, you know, start being an influencer on it, or two, buy some stock in Frackle before it explodes. I think, I
0: think there's, I think Crackle is a thing, right? I think Crackle is. I think Comedians and Cars with Coffee was like the biggest thing on Crackle for a while and now it's on Netflix and I'm not really sure what's up with uh, what's up with Crackle. All right, let's bring in a, another marketing guy to join us here for the next few minutes. He's the marketing director at West Her Automotive Group and his name is Matthew Lasher. He's been on the podcast before. This is his first Friday morning live appearance. Hey Matthew. Hey
2: guys. Hey there. How
0: you doing, man? What's happening? Uh, let, let me ask you a really important question first off. How did you get the hand-waving emoji in your LinkedIn name, because that is cool is you're, I, I always see your name when I'm around LinkedIn and the hand always catches my eye. So give us the secret. How did you do it? Cause I'm doing it tomorrow.
2: Pretty easy to do all well, you have to. So I'll give my former college roommate uh, credit for this. So he, he had a little fire emoji next to his name and uh, you just from the mobile app, you can edit your name and you can put in an emoji character um, to like it. it. So that's how
0: you do it. I'm doing it. Colin, I don't want to see you doing that. I'm doing it. That's, listen, I, I don't
1: want to take Matt's fire. I don't want, well, this is like now the, the mostly automotive marketing podcast with Matt and Matt. So yeah, i right. the, the odd man out, the odd Colin. Uh, but yeah, no, you guys, you can have that. I'll let you run with that. <laughs>
0: So, Matthew, I, I wanted to have you on because I uh, saw a video you posted, um, I believe, late last week or was it early this week about uh, a cool video. And you were talking about marketing being part art and part science. And there was a couple things you said in the um, in the video that I liked. And I'm going to start kind of uh, backwards uh, on it. And the first thing it, that I want to mention is um, you talked about it's OK not to always have the answer. Right. And I think from the, um, I'll start from the, from the art standpoint, it's, you don't always know when you're sitting around or when you're with your people coming up with a message or with a look, um, if it's going to work or not, right. If it's the right way to go. And because the, the art part of it is it's not, it's hard. You can't quantify it immediately, right? So it's okay not to know if um, the answer to questions, first of all, and it's okay not to know right off the bat if, oh, this is it, we nailed it, it's perfect. So I guess my first question to you is, um, how does a marketer uh, kind of embrace the idea that it's not okay, I don't have to know everything?
2: So I think there's a really tricky and important question for people to understand and be self-aware of. I was a DJ in college and when you're playing music, you got to You got to get a response from the crowd. Right. And so like you can kind of ride a wave. You don't always know what they want to listen to next, but as long as you know, music, you can kind of, you can kind of feel it. So um, I think marketing is a discipline that's like that, that rec- really requires you know a patient understanding of what can work and what can't work. Um, unfortunately, here's the challenge in auto. So auto's filled with a lot of really sales dominant, successful business leaders. So there's sales personalities, uh, really alpha, traits um, that, in my experience, uh, frankly, marginalize and steamroll marketing as a discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, So it takes a certain behavior or certain character to be able to what I call sit in the fire. And I've been in this fire at Wester for nine years. Okay, So um, you kind of get used to the pressure that comes with that. Um, You have to have opinions, and you have to be able to articulate them in logical ways. But you also have to be honest and truthful enough about saying I don't know, this might not work. Let's take a flyer. You have to be comfortable with failing. I mean, if you go back to like 2017, Instagram stories wasn't a thing. Like I didn't right. never studied it in college or whatever. Like I wasn't like, huh? I was like, okay, we're gonna start making content for Instagram stories. That was just like an artful interpretation of where I felt like consumer attention and demand was. And so it's not always gonna perfectly correlate to some CRM lead management report. You know, and I think in our space and especially in marketing and auto, the tendency is to like over-analyze or over-measure things. Sure. There's so much distortion. And the important I was trying to make about art versus science and that LinkedIn is there's a grand canyon of data. What I call the grand canyon. You have all this digital signals, all this digital noise that we can interpret and we can measure. And we should. We should take the time to understand that. But it's a grand canyon compared to the financial statement results. There's not a clear correlation often between these, these KPIs and you have to be okay with that being true, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, be, and the Grand Canyon exists because of the variability of the people at the stores that execute, right? So a good salesperson will talk to hundred people, sell 65, a brand new salesperson will talk to hundred people and only sell 15. That's not because of quality of marketing message. There's an executional challenge there that distorts a lot of our decisions and strategy. So I just think it's about being vulnerable.
1: So I got. Amen to that. Do you mind if I? Yeah, thank you. I mean, right. I, I watched the video, and you know, I thought what you said in there was was spot on. Uh, and now that you just had mentioned it again, this Grand Canyon, I, I love that analogy. So the challenges of marketing that you talked about specifically, obviously, is providing a positive return on investment or providing a, an ROI in general, and then impact on the financial statements. So as a digital marketing manager myself, I know that that's exactly what our general manager and dealer principal, you know, that's what he's looking for. So for other marketers out there, how would you basically connect the dots that you've alluded to and what wisdom, if you will, can you provide to those marketers in those positions? Cause I think a lot of people, I mean, I see your engagement on LinkedIn. I think a lot of people look up to you. I think a lot of people think that you're a, a thought leader and a forward thinker. I certainly do. So with that, you know, the, the marketers that are experiencing these same challenges, what advice or wisdom can you share with them about connecting those dots?
2: Well, first I think it's, it's a lot about credibility within your team. Um, I know a lot of marketing people, marketing directors that don't have that much experience, frankly. So, um, I mean, I was a sales manager, salesperson, finance manager. I did the jobs at the stores and I know the team. Now, I've been in this role longer now than I was ever at the stores. So, I'm starting to get a little disconnected from the frontline team, which is a challenge to to break through, right? Um, But... The, the, the general managers that I've worked with in the past, they understand that I did some of these jobs. So I have empathy for the sales manager that's dealing with the question from a salesperson of, hey boss, do you know where these keys are? And you're, you got, you're, you're calling somebody, you got on the phone, you got three people standing behind you and you're like, did you look for the keys? And the salesperson says, no, not yet. And so, okay, start there, right? So like I have this perspective of like some of the challenges that we face on the sales side. And I think it's, you gotta be very careful as a marketer, not to finger point and say, well, the salespeople suck, right? Like, I, that's not going to get you anywhere. you got to be empathetic to the fact that the salespeople have to deal with getting no's seven times out of ten. And they have to deal with that every day, and they have to get up and be positive and prospect and work and grind every day. We can live in our theoretical land, you know, um, but I heard Gary V talk about it one time. It's like a football team. The sales team is like the offensive line. Marketers are like the star wide receiver or maybe a mediocre wide receiver if you're not that good. Um, and you don't get anywhere unless the quarterback, the president or the owner or whoever throws you the ball. Right. right? And so you got to build this team chemistry. We're all in it together. I could have the best, smartest philosophy in the world, but ultimately, if there's no buy in from the team, if there's no mutual respect, it's not going to do anything right? And you also have to be okay. By, I think this honesty policy and being okay with failure is important, right? Like when I pushed DR four years ago into our platforms and we spent a whole bunch of money and we, we used the products and whatever, it proved out not to really be that meaningful. So you could call that a failure or you could say it was a little ahead or you could whatever you want to say, right? But ultimately I had the, the backing of the team, it wasn't like a unilateral decision that I made. It was we talked about affordability. We talked about consumers caring about payments. And we said, okay, well, this is a way that we can put somewhat meaningful payments in front of people as opposed to MSRPs, right? So you, you get to a place where you get to then make the execution. But it doesn't just you, you don't just sit in a closet and like dictate and demand and then criticize when there's failings. No,
0: thank you. You know, I, I, as I got two uh, group marketing directors on the line here, I, I, I have something that I'm interested in your opinions on uh, for both of you. And, th- and, and then I'll, at the end, I'll give you my opinion from my perspective is what do you think about first and what is correct to think about first, the message or the art part of it or the science or the tactic, the placement, where I'm where I'm gonna advertise the message. What which which is in your head first and does it does it matter? Can you go both ways? Uh, we'll start with Matthew.
2: Okay. I was gonna start with Colin let's start um, with yeah. let's yeah. start with Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew uh, Matthew had a lot of Push there. him into the fire first. He used
1: to be <laughs> yeah. in the
2: pressure cooker situation. <laughs> now look here, here here's my answer to that Matt I, I would say um uh it's funny. You're talking about sequence of order, order Mm -hmm. of operations. Um, I was thinking about that two days ago as like a, a, uh, a LinkedIn post. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll expand on that later. But I think, um, I believe there's no unilateral one way answer, especially in the art side of things. Um, and I think we should be more comfortable making more and more and more content like, Ultimately, like we need to operate like little media companies Mm -hmm. and create shows like like I've not been a podcaster or whatever, but we created this little five questions with Matt series where I'm starting to interview people internally and externally just to like create content right? We have Buffalo Bills players. We, we operate in Buffalo, New York. We have Buffalo Bills players on our influencer roster, but that happened by the way, by building authentic relationships with these players. It wasn't just like, Hey, will you do this post for me? I'll pay you 500. Right. It was like, Hey, I want to get to know you. I want to tell your story. I want to help build up your brand. I want to help you with your nonprofit initiatives. Like that's how we did that. And it took three years. So you got to be patient. Right. So so I think order of operations, um, it's not like I'm sitting in a conference room like, hey, what are we going to do for like September's sales event? Right. Um, We get that OEM pressure and things that we got to put out there that way. But um, but, you know, I guess I just take it. I try to take a longer term view and just, you know, go that way. As long as I feel like we're in the long term directionally appropriate way, um, I feel good about the direction.
0: I like it, Colin.
1: Yeah, so I would always think, I mean, I I think Matthew is spot on in terms of taking that the fact that there is no unilateral approach. I think a lot of what makes, especially in this day and age, let's talk about, you know, you had mentioned influencers and, and social media. A lot of what makes that successful is the spontaneity and leveraging uh, your existing customer group, right? If you have a local influencer, or, you know, someone or your relationship with, you know, the Bills, the the football team. So Bill's Mafia, by the way, how, how powerful is that, right? You got that back in you, uh, yeah, like you must be a Patriots fan over there. Yeah, exactly. So um, with that said though, I always look at it this way. I think that your message is going to vary depending on what platforms you're utilizing in terms of getting in front of your desired target market. And I know that that's super politically correct, but I'm gonna give you an example. Right now we're running a Pinterest experiment, if you will, on the tier three level. And the whole idea behind this experiment, knowing Pinterest's demographics, primarily female, young parents, right? Uh, Knowing that we're taking this whole idea of doing a road trip in a Jeep Grand Cherokee on Pinterest. And in that, we're talking about, you know, your family and safety features and things that would actually resonate with a new parent. And preferably someone who's female, which we know that females hold a lot of purchasing power, especially when it comes to, you know, a big purchase like an automobile. So with that, I would always say that messaging is going to change. Our job as marketers is to not limit ourselves. And sure, there are always limits in terms of budget and what we're fully capable of in terms of technology and things like that, depending on who our vendor partners are, if we're doing this ourselves. But we need to be agile, we need to be uh, serving those relevant messages to the audience that we want, the relevant audience on a platform that resonates with them. And I think that that's really marketing 101. You know, it's, it's serving the message at the right place at the right time to the right person on the right device. Uh,
2: oh, and yeah. so- I love that an- I love that answer. Oh, right? yeah. our, our, branding, our branding spots, uh, we purposely filmed 40 different actors that look different look different demographics whatever um in some of our tv spots but we can take these little actor snippets yep. and turn them into social stories or you know whatever so we have a lot of variables where i can show you know a stay-at-home mom that's 40 i can show her a similar person to herself Or I can show her a younger male person or I can show her an older male. So there's all sorts of like experiments that you can do with respect to what is the appropriate message. You know, what is – because we can come up with these like stereotypes of people. And, you know, I think that's – Avinash Kaushik, who's the digital evangelist at Google, he talks a lot about see, think, do. So Mm -hmm. I think like getting to Collins point about timeliness and relevancy, like understanding where people might be in their behavior and their shopping patterns um, will certainly dictate the types of messaging. Um, Is it a why buy message or is it a real transactional thing or is it a real price point message or whatever? So, um, you know, it's interesting. There's really, that's what's so great about marketing right now is that there's so many opportunities to execute and a lot of them are really, really cheap. So leverage that as a marketing person inside your automotive network, right? You can experiment to your blue in the face on Facebook for 3,000 bucks. Nobody's going to ever ask you about that money, probably, right? Compared to the hundreds of thousands that you're spending in other mediums. So experimentation opportunities.
0: For me, the order or the process or where you start didn't really matter. It's that you were careful to think about the other side before making a decision. So as an, ex- and, it, and it was very teamwork based for me. So as an example, I'm in the shower, sorry guys, or I'm in the car. And, <laughs> and, and, and what I think is a great idea comes to me, whether it's for a commercial or a campaign or a branding spot or a sales event, whatever. And I would get to work or I'd call my owner or GM of one of the stores on the way to work. And he'd be like, Oh, you're calling me at eight 25 in the morning. I know you have an idea. You know, that's, or to get to work and run in his office and we talk about it. And he would go, Awesome, I love it. Where are we going to put it and what's it going to cost? And then the other side of it, Hey, man, I got pitched this, you know, whatever, this digital thing, this traditional thing. We got to be there. It's going to be a great thing. It's a good deal. It's a great place to be. And he'd be like, Okay, cool. Yeah, I like it. What are we going to say? Like he was always playing the other side of it. Like, I'm in to what you're saying. I'm in your excitement. I think it's going to be good for the store or for the group, but. We could be in the best location in front of the perfect customers, but if what you're saying is not right, then you're wasting your money. And the other way around, you could have the best branding commercial, the best idea, the best concept, but if you put it in the wrong spot, then maybe you're wasting your money and your energy. And so for me, the order didn't matter. It was that I wanted to make sure that both the art and the science were strong and work together. And for me, having, having an owner or a general manager or even another person in my department that could balance that out was important because you could get, I could get so excited about an idea or a, or anything. And then you get ahead of yourself and you're like, Oh, okay, well, what am I going to do with this? Or can I do something with it? I I want
2: to interrupt you because I think a trap of marketers is seeking permission from those that don't understand. Yeah. So, and that can be the general manager and the sales manager, the dealer principal or whatever. You got to fight for the fact that you're going to try some things and you need to let, So, but, but to do this, you have to execute and sort of do first, ask for permission or forgiveness later. Like you do not like, and I learned, it just took me years to figure out, like I would go to these ad meetings with our senior directors and be like, okay, here's what the plan is. And what do you guys think? And it'd be like crickets because people don't know and they don't know what to say, you know? So ultimately we turned the format into, uh, basically an entertainment show where we show them all the stuff we're doing. Yeah. Right. It can react after the fact. They don't need to comment necessarily on like, is the logo the right size on this thing and whatever. Just like just go, just do and execute. And then you'll have confidence to then embrace their feedback and move going forward.
0: Yeah. I think, too, as you're depending, like if there's any marketers listening, as you gain confidence or your group gain. Like when I started at, at the group I worked at in 2011, it was my first foray into the automotive industry. So I didn't have the confidence to know, uh, you know, a a lot about automotive. And as I got more comfortable and things went well, my, it it went from that, hey, here's, here's what I'm thinking. What should we do to, here's my plan. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to be. Here's what we're going to say. Here's here's, here's what's going to happen. And I, you know, week one, I'm like, listen, I want to spend, you know, this money on this, year three, uh, I spent this, here's where it is. And, uh, you know, here's what our results were. So if there's you're any to
2: that point, how you could build, impress people, you're a new marketer. You don't have any automotive experience. Go to the owner, go to the director and say, look, I want to work at the store for a month. I don't, I don't want to have any ideas. I just want to be, or like, if you're not in the store, if you're in an executive office, if you're at the store, be like, look, I want to sit next to the sales manager for the whole month. I just want to hear the sales conversations. I want to hear the follow-up calls. I might even make a couple phone calls to customers myself. Just jump in and be like, even if that's not your nature, just try to like get some of the sales piece of it because it's such an important sort of – perspective of our industry that you can't just fight against it. You can bring in the Amazons and the Carvanas and all the strategy and all the friction points and you could do all that, but it'll be very well received if you just say, Hey boss, I want to, I want to learn a little bit more about how we're doing things now before I sort of suggest where we go
0: next. I used to like to sit in the BDCs sometimes. Like if I, you know, like at my like home store, my office was, you know, upstairs in the back, we were kind of in our own little space, um, you know, kind of removed from what was going on. But when I would visit stores in the group, I would usually plant myself in the BDCs because I didn't have an office or a place to work or whatever. And I'd, so I would go sit in the BDCs and often my point of contact at the store was the BDC manager because they were the person who are, they're seeing what marketing is doing and they're the first point of contact in a lot of situations. And so I would go to the BDC. And then from there, I would hear what was going on. I could hear the BDC um, representatives, you know, their sides of the conversations, I could get the feedback from the BDC manager, we could talk, look at the CRM together. And I feel like that keeps you in because it's easy to be like, Oh, my office is upstairs. I have no idea what's going on. You're looking at it from the from you know, you're looking at the CRM and you're upstairs and when you walk by, you're like, Oh, there's a showroom. But sitting in the BDCs with the phones ringing, hopefully the phones ringing and everything going, you know, going crazy and getting the energy, you can kind of get in it. I feel like I could get take the temperature of what was going on in the store. And I could tell by the by the BDC manager's stress level whether or not yeah. things were were operating the way they should be or not. If she's all so what kicked about, back,
2: acting her- to be involved in a sales meeting. Be like, yeah. hey. Could I, could I participate? I just want five minutes. I just want to talk about auto alert or I want to talk about email or I want to talk about like pick a little nugget, you know, and like spoon feed people. Cause they're not all going to understand everything that you know, but spoon feeding little nuggets here or there of like, look, people are busy. They don't read a whole email. So your email should be as short as possible. If you can't read an email while driving in your car, it's too long. Right. Yeah. So you know what I mean? Like little, little nuggets like that we're encouraging people to like, you know, do, do good marketing behaviors.
1: Yeah. So I want to chime in at this point in time. I mean, I've been listening and and there's a lot of things that you guys unpacked, but I could not agree more with the little conversation that just took place here, which was basically, you know, you guys need to be, and Matt, Matt and Matt just spoke to it. But I think a lot of the opportunity on a marketing side of it comes from actual engagement with the rest of the team. So Matt Lasher, you brought that up and that's the point where, you know, you want to know what is going on on the sales floor, what's going on in your BDC department if you have a BDC department, because as the marketer coming up with the messages, you need to make sure that that message is being consistently disseminated out by the people that are actually going to sell your product. So, I mean, if we're talking about a certain promotion, we have a certain amount of money or percentage off MSRP on a vehicle. Well, if someone calls in and they're interested on that vehicle, you need to make sure that the rest of your team is educated. And this kind of come full circle to this whole idea of a a business being a football team or the marketing department being part of that football team, where if one portion of that is not, consistently in communication with or have the consistent message across the board then the team will not be successful and it's not that it's necessarily anyone's fault because really everyone can work together to make that stronger so i mean that's what stuck out to me about that little conversation right there was just the fact that even for me i know that one of the things that we wanted to do in 2020 you know our dealership group we currently have seven stores now and one of the things that I spoke to the general manager about, which was an opportunity for improvement for myself, is getting to each store on a monthly basis and saying, OK, folks, here are the new tools that we are utilizing. This is how you utilize them. This is how you promote yourself or build your own personal brand, leveraging what we're doing at our stores. So I think, yes, from a, from a holistic picture, it is a lot of art and it is a lot of science, but I think a lot of that also then is is successful when you have this cohesive
2: unit, right? Yeah, we're just people, right? You want you want people to feel connected and like yeah. you know, people yeah. struggling with their social media profiles and like what to say, or what to talk about. My advice is talk talk to yourselves. So talk to your employees first. Start by building like a little pocket of embers, you know, the sun, by doing things like. Talk when it's somebody's anniversary or it's an employee's birthday or do a little fun giveaway or contest internally. Get your team engaging on the social profiles first. Don't care about like thousands and thousands of likes or whatever, like all the vanity metrics and stuff. Just talk about, tell your story. You want to highlight Matt Wilson today, like where'd Matt come from? Like brand new employee, like tell talk about Matt. What's he like to do in his, in his off time or whatever, you know? And then those 16 people that work at the store can learn a little bit more about Matt that maybe they never have that conversation with them. Right. And you start to build out your story that's authentic and, you know, just expose, expose your own truth you know, ultimately I think that's what as marketers, what we should aspire to do is seek out and find the truth, you know, like engaging with the BDC helps you understand how we actually respond to people, mm-hmm. not how we want to respond, but like how we actually do. Right. And that, that matters. I think,
0: man, marketing is fun and it fun. I love it marketing. It's it fun. Hey, uh, speaking of fun, let's talk about the bills real quick before we let you go. I am a, uh, Patriots fan. And my father-in-law is a Bills fan. So as you can imagine, there's often some animated discussions there throughout the year. Um, But I I bring it up because I really uh, enjoyed the Josh Allen uh, spot that uh, video that you guys had. I saw that online. I thought, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, So, all right. So the Bills, what's the Bills Patriots rivalry look like from the Bills perspective? perspective from the Buffalo (laughs) Buffalo fan perspective, because the Patriots perspective,
2: the pain is what that looks like. The
0: (laughs) The Patriots fans perspective is annoying and arrogant because there's a lot of annoying Patriots fans. And I'm saying, I'm not one of those annoying Patriots fans. (laughs) I'm not, I'm a nice Patriots fan, but a lot of Patriots fans, probably more the ones that are more closer to Boston. I feel like I'm in Connecticut, so you can be Bo- you can be a Patriots fan where I am. You could be a Jets fan. You could be a Giants fan. I'm not a yeah. Jets fan because I'm a Mets fan, and I can't be the fan of two terrible teams. So, um, and I'm, I just wasn't a Giants fan. So I grew up a Patriots fan. Um, and Patriots fans look at it from the arrogance standpoint. Ah, the Bills are are a laughing stock, but they're not. I think the Bills have looked pretty good as of late.
2: Look, I'll def- so first of all, I'll defend Buffalo a little bit we've always sort of been like nine and seven right. whatever like but you got to run through Tom Brady like and he's the goat so like ultimately like two losses a year were like penciled in almost always and they fought hard and sometimes won but bills have had some bad luck and like you know any any like losing sports franchise team would probably say similar things but we've had some we've had some interesting games but um, you know I think the the futures bright like the team's young and very good like they're very good people at their core are um, real hard workers. Sean McDermott has done a nice job of like curating the team and like building out the culture of that team and caring about the process not the result. And I think that's like a great lesson for everyone in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like you got to be doing stuff that you enjoy. You got to be doing the process. It's not about making a million dollars. You can get to a million dollars and still be miserable. If you didn't right. enjoy the process, you might make a million dollars and still be depressed. But if you love what you're doing every day, I think ultimately you're just going to enjoy the ride. And, and it's not about the destination. So I think so many people lose sight of that. And I think with the Bills, like obviously a lot of optimism. And, you know, my hope is that uh, that they win the AFC East this year and um, and that they have some success in the playoffs, you know, and I think they're hardworking young guys that really deserve it. So fingers off, fingers I, crossed for them.
0: I was in Buffalo um, I don't know, like probably seven years ago on New Year's Eve for a wedding, right? My, my uh, cousin got married. And so I come up there, beautiful, rainy and cold, and, but beautiful wedding, great time. And so the next morning we go to like the family brunch at the hotel and I showed up wearing jeans and a Patriots t-shirt and a sport coat. And let me tell you, I went back to my hotel room and changed out of that t-shirt because my whole family from Buffalo up there would not leave me alone. And I was like, all right, all right, I get it. I get it. No problem. So that's my Buffalo story.
2: Well, well, we'll be humble in victory when it, if it, if it ever comes.
0: <laughs> Matthew Lasher, I appreciate the time. Marketing director of Wester Automotive Group. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Great, thanks, it All thanks, right, so take it easy. All right, Colin, we're out of time, man. This is how you plan a great talk show. You have too much to talk about and you can't get to it all. <laughs> And so they, they have a thing called housekeeping where at the end you can just blow through things, but I don't want to do that. We had a couple of things to talk about that I want to save and we'll table and we'll talk talk about them at another time. But there is one thing we must get to, and that is Expera marketing. We need to explain Expera marketing real quick because we have an upcoming Expera marketing episode since you are the chief Expera marketer in charge and are hosting these little, these not little, but these Expera marketing episodes, uh, part of Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson Tell us, what is Expera Marketing? What is the podcast about? And uh, do it in uh, 60 seconds, go.
1: Yeah, absolutely, so Expera Marketing is the podcast where we innovate, create, and of course, appreciate new opportunities for marketers to generate business. What Matt and I actually do is we're gonna be talking with thought leaders and forward thinkers, Expera Marketers, fellow Expera Marketers, if you will, and also test some of these new technologies, as well as existing technologies, but taking a new approach to them and uh, hopefully giving you guys some awesome insight on how to generate more opportunities for business. We have a great episode coming out on Tuesday, the 25th, uh, where we talk to Shane Dwyer, who's the head of U.S. Automotive at Snapchat. And then we also talk with Jeff Gonzalez and uh, Betsy Brookshire, who are both with an awesome company called AET Media. They provide an ad planner that allows you to build out your social campaigns as easily as one, two, and three.
0: I'm excited. They're going to be good. So check them out. We're going to, um, uh, they'll be available in all the places that mostly automotive marketing is available, Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher. Anchor, all those places. And then the one we recorded with uh Shane, the head of automotive for Snap Inc., uh, is video. So we'll um stream that uh on video as well. And Colin did a great job hosting, and we think you'll um we think dealers and, and vendors and everyone alike will enjoy the content of those. So Colin, I appreciate it, man. Great job on your second co-hosting Friday mornings live.
1: Always my pleasure, Matt. All Thank right, you have- so much. You got it,
0: man. Have a good weekend. You too. There you go. Colin Carasquilla joining me, Carasquillo. He's going to change his last name. It's very complicated. Joining me as a co-host today, he's a digital marketing manager at Nielsen Automotive. All right. Time to go market, everybody. Thank you for listening to Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson. You can follow me on Twitter at MarketingMattW. Have a good weekend and we'll see you next week.